Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Conversations on issues impacting Californians of all ages. Here's your host, Theon Gordon. Welcome to In Clear Terms with AARP California. Join us as we dive into issues and policies that impact Californians of all ages, particularly older adults, and learn how you can connect with AARP to make our state more livable for all. I am an AARP volunteer and your host, Dr. Theon Gordon. Today, we are joined by Dan Corman, Senior Attorney with AARP Foundation Litigation, to talk about age discrimination what it is, and the laws around it, both federally and in California. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Gordon. Well, we are excited to have you. And first of all, can you just briefly share a little more about the AARP Foundation litigation and your work? Sure. We are a 15-lawyer in-house law firm in a way, different from the lawyers in the general counsel's office who look out for various problems of the organization. But we try to identify issues of importance to older people and try to protect older people's rights in the courts. And we focus on a couple of areas, and we've done that historically. One of them is employment, where I mostly practice and the others are healthcare, which is obviously very important to older people, and then also consumer law. We also tend to get involved in some other issues as they come up. And one of the things I've been proud to be involved with is voting rights. We've been doing it for a couple of decades. It used to be split off into various parts of AARP, but then it, all the lawyers were brought together. And so we have a little unit And we think of ourselves as a little law firm. We walk down the halls and advise each other and help each other out. Uh Uh-oh, a whole bunch of lawyers in one room. We're not going to try to have a joke about that or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. Just on that score, most lawyers spend most of their time working in organizations that are run by and mostly made up of lawyers. So AARP Foundation litigation is pretty different in that way, in that we're a small unit in a very big organization, and we answer to and try to work with and collaborate with non-lawyers of all kinds all across the country. And most of us really enjoy that because it makes our life a lot more interesting and it makes us a lot more effective, actually. Sounds like a great place for collaborative work, too. So that's fantastic. And we're happy that you're there on our side. So let's dive in a little bit to some questions that our listeners may be interested in. According to a wide-ranging AARP workplace survey, nearly two out of three workers ages 45 and older have seen or experienced age discrimination on the job. In clear terms, clear and legal terms, what is age discrimination? Well, it's interesting just to start out The focus of that survey is obviously employment, and that has really been the focus of laws trying to address age discrimination in this country. It's a little different in that regard than some of the other civil rights laws we're all familiar with that 
address problems of race discrimination, sex discrimination, disability discrimination. Like those other areas, age discrimination, at least in theory, can happen in all different areas of life, education, housing, and so on, restaurants and other public places. But unlike those other areas, which have really been a scourge throughout our history in many ways, age discrimination has mostly been focused on problems in the workplace. So I wouldn't say age discrimination is necessarily only workplace discrimination, but that's the way the Congress and and most states have responded to problems. That's where older people have the most consequential problems. So another way of looking at this is discrimination, age discrimination is no different. It's pretty simple. It's different treatment based on age, just like different treatment based on race or sex. And when you try to break it down, though, it's a little more complicated in that it can take many forms. And it's important to think about that. It can be based on stereotypes, for instance, you know, older people always, or those older people are, they don't know what to do with technology. They're slow. They don't like to learn. All those things that some people at least apply across the board instead of looking at people one by one. But it can take another form, I suppose, you know, biased preferences. It's a little different where you'd say waitresses really should be younger. I, you know, I don't understand why, you know, this person here is like my grandma. Well, that's not really the issue. The issue is, can you do the job? But people have those views. And then another form might be what you might call nasty prejudice, which is just something like in the age context, you know, old people depress me. I just really wish they weren't around. It's just a drag. Well, that's not fair. And if, you know, you would substitute race or sex, it would just seem totally outrageous. And unfortunately, some of those prejudices are far too common and far too accepted. And so that's why we uh, see a need for lawyers to bring lawsuits, try to bring attention to problems. And bring justice to it. I absolutely see it. Yeah. Some employers, not all of them, but it's kind of shocking how unfair some situations can be. And that's not right. People need to make a living and so forth. So that's where uh, we get involved. So in clear terms, it's different treatment based on age. It can also be biases that people have and some of that nasty biased prejudice that you spoke about. And uh, it is interesting that this study was done around the workplace because I could definitely see that in consumer rights as well as in healthcare industry and all these other areas. I could add something. The, the Affordable Care Act, which everyone thinks of as Obamacare, that was extending an opportunity to get health care coverage for millions of people, also had a provision that prohibits discrimination of really all kinds in health care. This provision in the Obamacare law brings more specific attention to the need for all the entities that get federal assistance for health care and that's most hospitals and a lot of other institutions, need to pay attention to the civil rights laws. And I was just going to say that we've had some experience, I've had some experience in my own personal life of healthcare institutions who sometimes take for granted the issues facing 
older people because, you know, they're after all, they're old. And so it's natural that they're having healthcare challenges. But really, older people and younger people deserve attention that they need and not attention that someone thinks they deserve because they fit into a certain age cohort. Absolutely. And and I appreciate that the organization is focused in all of those areas. So that's one way. I'm hearing that age provision was in Obamacare. That's one way to help fight age discrimination. How is AARP helping in other ways to fight age discrimination? Well, we do have a broad view of age bias. And in employment, we've looked at things like challenges to older workers getting hired. We've looked at terminations of large groups of people that tend to be skewed to older workers, sometimes because they have higher salaries, sometimes just because there's a notion that you need to move people out and have a younger cohort in. And our view of it is that what you need to do is keep hiring and retaining the people who are the best qualified. And if they're younger or older, that's fine. But you shouldn't move people along just because they're older. And then there are problems with people having challenges getting training opportunities or promotional opportunities that seem to go by the boards when they get beyond a certain age. So what we try to focus on is having the greatest possible impact. And that's easier said than done. Sometimes you bring big cases that involve lots of people. Class actions. There's another term that applies to the federal age law. It's called a collective action, where a lot of people come together and file a suit based on all suffering the same kind of discrimination. Sometimes, though, we look for really important issues. And sometimes a single individual can have a huge impact on the law by bringing a case that poses an important legal issue. So we're always looking for impact and trying to leverage the fact that some people think 15 lawyers is a whole lot. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're trying to do all the things we're doing for 30 plus million members, sometimes it doesn't feel like a big uh, outfit. Uh, That is not a lot for that many members, absolutely. But when we think about that broader scale of, of membership, Let's go to what the laws actually are. What are the federal and California laws? We'll look at the broader federal laws first and then the California laws as well against age discrimination. And what do our listeners need to understand about these laws? Well, the federal law that we do a lot of our work under is called the Age Discrimination and Employment Act. And it has a good pedigree. It was passed in 1967, the era when The United States finally became a robust believer in civil rights protections. You know, there was the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 65 Voting Rights Act and the 68 Fair Housing Act and the Age Discrimination Act was part of that whole era. And it has been revised from time to time. And in some ways, there are benefits for being out there as a separate independent law But it also has some weaknesses that don't compare so well with the protections for race and sex and disability. So we're always working with our lobbyist friends on another floor to see if we can improve the federal law. 
Californians are very lucky. They have a very strong and very powerful set of civil rights laws. Prominent is the FEHA. That's the the way I pronounce it, the F-E-H-A, the Fair Employment and Housing Act. And that is a very powerful law that is broader in its scope and protections than the Age Discrimination and Employment Act. So we've litigated cases in California on behalf of Hollywood writers, on behalf of accountants and tax professionals who were trying to get hired by Price Waterhouse. And those cases sometimes have involved the federal law, but almost always have involved state law as well. Those are the principal laws, and those are probably the two to really remember. There are separate agencies. There's a federal agency, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, that enforces the ADEA, and it has offices all over California. And the California statute, the FEHA, is enforced by state agencies. There's a Department of Fair Employment and Housing, and there's a Civil Rights Department. And the reason I go on about all these acronyms is that people who have encountered age discrimination, or for that matter, older workers who encountered disability discrimination, discrimination based on their disabilities, which is a pretty common thing for older folks, need to preserve their rights by filing within usually 300 days, less than a year. You can't wait forever. To preserve your claim, you have to file with the federal agency or the state agency. Now, how would people know which agency to file with when we're talking about employment versus health versus housing versus civil rights? Well, all these agencies have pretty good websites, but The fact is that in the employment arena, usually if you file with one of the agencies, it's good enough to preserve your claim under both state and federal law. So there's separate route for discrimination in healthcare. And what you have to do is file a claim with the federal department of HHS. So it behooves people if they can afford it to consider contacting a lawyer if they have a serious belief that they've encountered discrimination as really as soon as they can really define this as a serious problem. If only to spend, you know, a half an hour or an hour to talk with that lawyer about what they have to keep in mind in their particular case. But I will say that AARP has information on its website, but the federal agency, the EEOC, and the uh, state DFEH, if you go online and age discrimination, California age discrimination, you will find the right links. And if you fiddle around a little bit, uh, if you're a little bit computer savvy, you don't have to be an expert, you can find out a lot of very basic information. And uh, it's really important to have things in mind. I'm not a believer that everyone should run to court and file a lawsuit. Absolutely. And you know, AARP has so many resources that people can use. So I would say that's probably the first place to start is take a look at the AARP website and see what some of those are. You may also call my colleagues. You know, it's aarp.org, foundation, legal advocacy, 
AFL. If you can find us, and I hope you can, on the website, we would be happy to give you some very basic advice about what to be thinking about. Well, that's always good to know as well. So when we think about age discrimination, especially in the workplace, is it legal for employers or prospective employers to ask you your age or your graduation date or anything that makes reference to age? Well, I have two answers to that. The official answer from the federal government, and I think most states say the same thing, is that it's not illegal to ask someone's age. My second answer is I can't think of a single reason that has to do with operation of a business or someone's ability to do their job that has anything to do with their numerical age. Age is a number. That's a cliche, but it's really true. And to me, at least, and my colleagues and I, we think that asking about someone's age or their graduation date ought to be presumed to be at least some. It doesn't it's not smoking gun evidence of anything, but it ought to raise a suspicion or at least a question whether someone has an inclination to discriminate because there's just absolutely no reason to know someone's age. If you need to get a background check once you've been offered a job, sure. Um, maybe you need someone's date of birth to get the appropriate records. But although it's not strictly illegal, I don't see any reason for it. And I wish the federal government, and this is something we've told them on occasion, were tougher on this and were more skeptical and were telling employers that they shouldn't be asking. It's interesting. The disability law has very strict rules in the federal law, the Americans with Disabilities Act, saying you can't ask people about anything that will reveal their disability either when they're interviewing or even when they're on the job. It's not exactly the same, but I think in some ways it's quite analogous. There's no need, really, age is not really relevant to almost anything on an individual by individual basis. So it's not strictly illegal, but I think it is, it's a whiff of smoke that always makes me suspicious. Yeah, and it's good to know that it's not officially illegal However, it is something that someone might have some pushback and even ask, why ask that question? What do you need to know that for? Of course, as a young lady, I would say, a lady never tells her age. <laughs> you know, when we think about age discrimination, when does it typically begin? And is there any additional data around who might experience such discrimination? Historically, I think more Cases of age discrimination arise when people are in their 50s, when people employed or looking for work are in their 50s or 60s. And back in the 60s, the 1960s, that is, Congress looked into this quite extensively and decided that there were plenty of instances where people in their 40s were being subjected to discrimination. And so that's why the federal law and, in fact, California law and most state laws set a limit for application of the age discrimination laws at age 40. You know, it's interesting, back in the day in the 60s, there was a lot of attention to stewardesses who were then mostly very young women and or younger women, and many of them in their 30s were already getting the third degree and being told they had to 
comply with all kinds of fitness and physical requirements, and also were being pushed out in their 30s. And so there was some attention to, you know, lowering the threshold of the law, but ultimately they decided it was unusual, the airline industry. And so that's another answer to your question. I'll just make a quick second answer, which is it really varies by industry. And so a lot of the cases we brought, and some of the ones actually that have brought us to California, have been high-tech industries, engineering, even social media. Technology industries seem to have a pattern and a streak of being susceptible to treating older workers unfairly and assuming they're sort of over the hill, out of juice at an earlier age. Some other industries are not so bad. Yeah, I would say tech, I could definitely see that because, again, that's that misnomer or the same way when we hear people say, oh, older people are not techies or something like that. So I could definitely see that. Here's another one, entertainment, Dr. Gordon. And that was another one that brought us out to California. We sued all the studios, all the talent agencies, because older writers tended to never be invited to have a chance to ply their wares. And you've heard stories, probably a lot of uh, your listeners have heard stories about some women who have, let's just say, stretched the truth as to their age in order to be taken seriously in uh, entertainment jobs. And it turned out they were like 10, 20 years older than they had been saying and performing very well and very well appreciated. But then when it came out that they were older, everyone was sort of shocked. And their answer was, you know, I had to get in the door. You know, the one thing that's a great story, but that it's an important legal point. We encourage people to try to do all kinds of things to avoid age discrimination but lying about your resume, you know, there's one thing, you know, you don't have to put everything you've ever done for the last 50 years on your resume. There's no law that says you have to do that. But if you lie, whatever the reason, that's a reason not to hire you or to fire you later. So even though it's very tempting, we uh, encourage people never to lie. Yeah, it won't help your case in the long run. So absolutely. It, and it doesn't help in life and in, in, in particular. We've talked about some of the comments people make. So is there a difference between age discrimination and age-related comments? Sometimes you might hear a comment that's intended as a joke, like, oh, you're teaching an old dog new tricks, or you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Or other times it might come across as some coded language. I've heard you're overqualified, things like that. What's the difference between age discrimination and age-related comments? Well... Age-related comments are not per se, that's a legal term, in, the, in and of themselves, illegal age discrimination, but they sure are evidence of it. This is a real problem and illustrates something I said a little late uh, earlier, I'm sorry, that age discrimination is, in some respects, one of the last thoroughly acceptable but somewhat acceptable prejudices in that there are countless court decisions where judges who ought to know better because most of them are over 40, over 50, over 60, they excuse all kinds of comments in the workplace that are dismissive of older people, you know, using terms like dinosaur and so on and so forth. And the problem is that sometimes lawyers 
imagine this, seem to lack common sense. My perspective would be that if an employer allows disrespectful comments of any kind with regard to race or sex or age, it sends a message to their employees that you can possibly act on those kinds of prejudicial thoughts. So comments might not be absolute smoking gun determinative evidence, but to me, they express a tolerance of unfairness. But what courts and lawyers, judges are all lawyers, what they tend to do is say, if there's a comment in the workplace and it wasn't made by the supervisor of the employee and it wasn't made by a person who is talking specifically about the worker who has a complaint, and it wasn't very close in time to when the worker says they were fired or not hired. In other words, you have to show lots of things to avoid what seems like an outrageous remark being called, and this is a term that is just anathema to age discrimination lawyers, it's called a stray remark. In other words, it's uh, it could, however nasty, it wasn't important enough to really be taken seriously in an age discrimination case. So, but age-related comments to me and to lawyers like me are very important, but all too often they are dismissed in the law unless you can show they are directly related to a discriminatory act. Well, it's interesting because as you say, the stray remarks, a lot of times, as you mentioned, they may say, oh, you're a dinosaur. I've called myself a dinosaur at times. And many times these stray remarks may not even have been intentional in terms of referring to age. I know someone who was a little upset because someone said to them, well, you know, at your age, you probably shouldn't be going up those stairs. And first of all, what does walking upstairs have to do with age? So, of course, they were somewhat offended by that. But then when they were asked to change where they were seated for a work space, they started looking at it as, okay, this was not just a stray remark. This is something that they're looking at my age as a means to displace me or move me around. And it often can lead to a little bit of someone being disgruntled or it escalates. And many times it escalates to the point of termination. So before someone gets to that point of being terminated, if they feel they're being discriminated against in the workplace because of their age, what actions can they proactively take? Well, one thing that's really important is to take notes, to keep records. And also, I think it's important to bring offensive behavior, comments to the attention of the employer. And I am quite experienced in hearing from workers who want to avoid being the troublemaker. They want to avoid being the endless complainer. So there's a tendency to wait until things become just a full-blown mess to make any comments. And then, you know, we know a lot of public controversies where anyone who complains at the very end is criticized for not complaining earlier. These are judgment calls everyone has to make in some workplaces. I suppose if you file complaints and they're not serious, you may get some blowback. But it seems to me, in my experience, that all these comments sometimes are dismissed 
in the end, it's really hard to win a case if it comes to the kind of really terrible discrimination that causes someone to lose their job. It's very hard to win unless you have a record and a record of the employer knowing about some of this bad behavior. So take notes. Find a diplomatic way of complaining to someone. Tell someone. If only if it's, you know, we've heard about this in the, you know, sex harassment context where people tell their friends or tell people close to them about harassing events. Later on, that's really important to be credible that you really experience something upsetting. So those are some things you can do. It's pretty easy to make sure that people see something. If you see something, say something. If you experience something, say something. Take notes, keep records, bring it to the employer's attention. Many times people are afraid to speak up for themselves. So having an advocate, I think, is also a good way to make sure that you're going on the right path if you feel that you're being discriminated against. Now, we occasionally hear from our listeners, from some of our members in the community, that they feel they were actually terminated from their job due to their age. How can someone act and fight back if they feel they were terminated due to age? Well, they can uh, call AARP. There are a couple of other resources that I would recommend to them. They are a great organization in California. It's called the California Employment Lawyers Association, and it's CELA.org, CELA.org. And that is an organization of some of the very best worker-oriented employment lawyers in the country, and certainly in California. The national organization that is comparable is NELA, the National Employment Lawyers Association. And I think on the website of both, it's possible to get the names of lawyers. It's a place to start. And, you know, I would step back a second, though, and say that sometimes it pays to see a lawyer before things become, well, get to the point of you being terminated. And it isn't to say that having a lawyer speaking for you is going to allow you to get along better with your employer. Obviously, having a lawyer in your pocket that speaks to your employer is going to set off all kinds of alarm bells, cause defensiveness. But sometimes a lawyer, if you can afford it, can give you lots of help about how to communicate within the workplace and what to say to your employer without getting their back up or their, you know, the hair standing on their neck. So sometimes getting an advisor early on is a good thing. I'll say one other thing. There's one thing that is very special about the Federal Age Discrimination and Employment Act. And that is that when many employees are terminated at the same time, called a group termination, two or more actually, Employers are obligated to provide notice and disclosures of rights and the people affected by the layoff. And that information can be very helpful because what an employer is obliged to do is to follow a checklist of things. And usually what happens is you get terminated frequently, at least with big employers, you get a check some severance pay, and you write in a contract that you agree not to sue about every possibility. The one law in the country 
that allows you to evade that if an employer doesn't follow strictly a whole bunch of steps that are right there in the federal law is the Age Act. And they're also obliged to give you a list of all the jobs of the people who are fired and their ages. And all the people who are not fired, but were considered to be fired, and their ages. So looking down this list, sometimes you can say, whoa, whoa, all the people who are fired here were in their 50s and 60s, and there are a whole bunch of people who are in their 30s and 40s who were not fired. Hmm, there's a lot of smoke here. Maybe I ought to go see a lawyer. So that's something to really pay attention to. Those are some things to think about. All right. There's a lot to think about. And a lot of our listeners are thinking about all of these issues, especially in regards to the 50 plus community. Actually, according to an AARP survey, many people want stronger age discrimination laws. Is anything being done to strengthen age discrimination laws? And if so, how can our listeners act on that? Well, one of the priorities that our lobbyists at the mothership here in Washington work on all the time are employment laws. Admittedly, AARP focuses on issues like protecting Medicare and Social Security and trying to lower prescription drug prices. And we've been doing, a, I think, a pretty good job of that. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm very committed to my own area and I wish AARP was able to do more in the employment area. There's some some things that need to be strengthened about the Age Discrimination Act and about the civil rights laws generally. And AARP has a bunch of proposals. One of the things they've done over the years is propose to Congress to fix a couple of Supreme Court decisions that came out, in our view, the wrong way under the Age Act. This whole question of being able to ask about people's age, that's a potential subject for legislation to make the Age Act more specific about what you can and can't do. And our lobbyists are thinking about all those things. One thing you can do if you share my passion for, you know, employment law and age discrimination in the workplace being addressed is you can write to the head of AARP, write to the CEO. And realistically, I think our CEO appreciates hearing from our members, about whatever they care about and are passionate about. You can also write to the head of the organization that I work in, and that's the AARP Foundation. So Joanne Jenkins is the CEO of AARP, and relatively new foundation president, Claire Casey, is someone else to write to. And I think you should write, as I say, about anything that matters to you. And I think those letters will be read and be taken seriously. The other thing you can do is write your senators and members of Congress. I mean, it seems like a drop in the bucket, but they pay attention to those letters. And particularly if they're in large numbers, but even if they're not, and if, particularly if they're informed and they're careful and they're thoughtful, that's a good thing to do. The last thing, this agency that I mentioned, one of the alphabet soup summaries I gave was EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, they have five commissioners and the a chair is in Washington, D.C., and she's another great leader, Charlotte Burroughs. So you could write to the head of the EEOC. And when people out there write 
It gives people in power something to, you know, wave in their hand and quote from and say, I heard from Dr. Gordon in California, and this is what she said. And it really made sense to me. And so we're going to try to do something about that. So I'm a great believer in writing your public officials. So writing the public officials. So as a reminder to our listeners, when people experience age discrimination, you want to, if you see it or you experience it, say it. You want to take notes. You want to keep records. You want to speak with your employer and let them know. You want to get an advocate. You also recommended contacting an attorney if you can to let them know and to ask some questions. And then the other thing we can do is write to our public officials, write to AARP CEO, write to the foundation, write to the EEOC commissioners and write, write, write. Send out something. If you see it, say it, write it. We really, really appreciate this guidance. We know that writing to our elected officials is a type of advocacy work that can always help. And we can also go visit aarp.org and find information on age discrimination there. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And Dan, if you could leave our listeners with one soundbite regarding age discrimination, what would that be? You know, I think I already said it. I would not be shy in reminding people, if this subject comes up, that age is just a number. It's one of those cliches that actually has power because putting back on other people the question, why are you paying attention to age? What does that have to do with what we're talking about, speaking about, working on? That would be the thing to do. And I suppose if I had a second thing, I would also urge your listeners to think about this. Older people, I think, are shy or reluctant to think about age as a civil rights issue. They sometimes think that maybe they're going to be perceived as angry or exaggerated in their being a victim or something. But It's really just a matter of simple fairness and simple justice that age should be a consideration in very limited circumstances and not when it determines people's opportunities, rights, and and, uh, how you judge them. So uh, don't be shy about believing that bringing up age as a civil rights issue is a totally legitimate thing to do. And what if older people would do that more often, I think they'd see more respect and fewer problems in the workplace. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Dan, thank you for joining us on In Clear Terms with AARP California. Again, we have had the pleasure of speaking with Dan Corman, Senior Attorney with AARP Foundation Litigation on the important topic of age discrimination. In future episodes, we look forward to hosting experts who can shed light on critical issues in our state, how AARP California is working to ensure the voice of those ages 50 plus is heard, and how you, our listeners, can learn more and act on these important decisions. Thank you for listening.